Good day, everyone, to our Sunday message. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace, for your goodness. We thank you for being there for us at any time. For you have promised that you will never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you for the opportunity to listen to your word today. We pray that you open our minds and hearts to understanding. Give us wisdom. Holy Spirit, be our teacher today. Work in our lives and work through us, we pray. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we will talk about the sovereign God. God is sovereign. God supremely rules the universe. He controls everything and orders everything. The doctrine of God's sovereignty gives comfort to many of us but it also offends others. The offended feels discomfort in the idea of having no control. Humans feel the need to be in control. If anyone takes that away, then it would be troubling. The pride of man hates to trust someone else concerning their future. Their motto, whether they know it or not, comes from Invictus, a self-exalting poem by William Ernest Henley, which concludes with, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Let me read this poem to you. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bulging of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how changed the punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. But no, Mr. Henley, and every one of you who adheres to this poem, you are not the master of your fate, and you are not the captain of your soul. Like every human, you are like the mist, a vapor that disappears. For there is one who is the master of our destinies, there is one who is the creator 
of the universe and he is God. Now my discussion is about prayer. I just mentioned that some people are offended by the sovereignty of God. But for us who believe, it gives us comfort because we trust in his will. You see, if there is a meteor in the cosmos, in the universe that is out of place, that should disturb people. But because God is sovereign, I trust that everything is in its place, in its time. Now, what is the connection of God's sovereignty to prayer? Well, everything. If God is not sovereign, then why bother praying? Praying would be a waste of time if God is not sovereign. But God is sovereign. He is sovereign. Then he controls the universe. So why pray? Because God is sovereign. Let me read Isaiah 46 verse 9. That's Isaiah 46 verse 9. Remember the former things long past. For I am God and there is no other. I am God. There is no one like me. God's sovereignty entails that he is above all, more powerful than all, and more knowledgeable than all. Who is like him? No one. Who can compare to him? No one. He is a class by himself, high above all creation. So why pray? Because he controls it all. He is above all. That is why we pray. He is sovereign. Allow me to read verse 10 of Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46, verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, which things have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Isaiah 46.10 God's sovereignty means that He ordains and foreknows everything from start to end. And He purposed events from long ago. Let me say that. He purposed events from long ago. The things happening today have been purposed by God long ago. It has been established. His sovereignty declares that His purpose will happen no matter what. Let me say that again. His sovereignty declares that His purpose will happen no matter what. 
So why pray? Because he makes things happen. He's the one who purposed things, who plans things, and he will bring it to pass. I will read Isaiah 45, verses 6 and 7 again. That's Isaiah 45, verses 6 and 7. That men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other the one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. Isaiah 45, verses 6 and 7. Let me repeat Two lines. The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. Mortal men must grasp that there is no one besides him. He made both light and darkness, and God causes both well-being and calamity. So why pray when we are in a dark place in our lives? So why pray when we find ourselves amid calamity? Because He is the one who can bring light into our lives. And because He is the one who can seize catastrophe. And He is the one who can cause well-being. Yes, it's the same God. It's the same God who brings the good weather and the bad. It is the same God who who brings light and darkness. We need to stop creating concepts about God that the whole Bible does not support. The Bible said that all Scripture is inspired by God, not just parts of it. So it is wrong to choose parts of Scripture that we prefer and ignore the rest. We cannot focus on one attribute of God, then ignore the others. We know that God shows mercy, yes, but God also reveals His wrath. We know that God gives grace, and even greater grace, but He also bestows justice. God may lift up one person and put down another. God is love, and we know that. But God is also holy Holy, holy. God saves a nation, but he may destroy another one. God may bless us for his purpose, yet make us go through suffering to test our faith. 
God gives life, but he also takes life. Sometimes the problem is us who share or, or who preach. We love to focus on the things that people may want to hear. So we focus on his mercy without preaching his wrath. We talk about his grace without making people understand justice. We speak about God is love without speaking about God who is holy, holy, holy. We speak about a God who can bless you, but we forget to speak about God who can make your life miserable. So, who do we pray to when things look well? Who do we pray to when things look bad? Who do we pray to so we may receive mercy because of our sins? The sovereign God, no one else. I have seen from a video a a known self-proclaimed prophet that others consider a false prophet rebuking the coronavirus, rebuking the devil because of the coronavirus, as if the devil started it. The devil might be involved, but remember that God's purpose will happen. When Pontius Pilate supported the crowd to crucify Christ, the Bible clearly says that everything was predestined to happen. Even the enemies of Christ, those who wanted him to be crucified, were all part of God's plan. Such is the way of God. But the human ego feels that God is not fair. How come he chooses and purposes instead of us? If you think that way, then please adjust your view of fairness. Because fairness is this. Sinners must pay for their crimes. Every sin is a crime against God worthy of eternal damnation. That is fairness. Everyone must face justice. If God were to exercise fairness, then we shall all be damned for eternity. No one will enter his rest. The saying is true, that those who end up in hell deserve it. But those who end up in heaven don't deserve it. Let me say that again. Those who end up in hell deserve it, but those who end up in heaven don't deserve it. They entered his rest because of his mercy, not because of his fairness. So who do we ask for mercy and not fairness? My friends, do not pray to God and ask for fairness. Ask to God for mercy. 
To whom do we bow down and ask forgiveness for our sins? No one else except the sovereign God. And for those of us who are still thinking, is it fair because we are, our minds are self-centric and uh, we have understood God to be that way. He'll take care of you. He'll protect you. And that is true. And that's the same for even the Apostle Paul. God protected until his purpose was accomplished. But remember that part of that protection involved suffering. For such is the plan of God. Somehow our characters are built in suffering. Somehow we are closer to God in suffering. So Paul said, I know what it means to be well. And I know what it means to be unwell. I know what it means to be in abundance. And I know what it means to be in poverty. I shall read Isaiah 55 verses 8 to 9. Isaiah 55 verses 8 to 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I'll read again Isaiah 55 verses 8 to 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. Our finite minds cannot fathom his wisdom, but we know that it is great beyond measure. Who has known the mind of God? He has revealed part of him in the Holy Scripture. And we shall know the other part when we see him in the eternal rest. Not because we deserve it, but because of Jesus Christ, his Son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Those who believe in him have eternal life. But those who do not obey him are already judged to eternal damnation. So, my friends, we believe, and that belief results in the desire to obey. And that desire to obey results in obedience. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He received the justice and punishment of God for those who would believe. Then he rose again from the dead, defeating death. And by defeating death, he conquered death and he offers us eternal life. And those who believe, take note, only those who believe How do you know you believe? You follow him. 
You believe him enough to follow him. Not believe that it happened. Not believe that he is Lord of Lords. Not to just believe that he is Savior of all. But believing enough to follow. You see, the demons know that he is God. But they don't follow. They cannot follow. But we believe enough to follow. We believe enough to desire to obey. And that desire becomes obedience. And we find our joy in obeying Him. You see, the Lord transforms our hearts. We know that when we have faith in Him. So Jesus said, have faith in God. So I share to you, I preach to you what Jesus preached. Have faith in God. I preach to you what Jesus said. Repent and believe in the gospel. You see, our finite minds find it hard to understand that we cannot earn our way to heaven. Because we've been conditioned that way. Since we were kids in school, we have to earn our score. We have to earn our way in. But if we can earn our way in, then we will be proud and say, it is out of my good works, it is out of my holiness that God let me in His heaven. But that is not the way of God. The way of God is repent and believe. And then what? And then the good works follow. But it is because of His mercy because of His mercy and grace that we are forgiven. Take note. Not even because we ask for forgiveness, but we should ask for forgiveness. We should repent of our sins. But because of His mercy. I know it is hard to understand with our finite minds. But God's wisdom is higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. Even in a time of calamity, we may try to explain things, but we would rather trust His will. We would rather trust His will. When God drove Israel out, they were out for 70 years. Because for 490 years, they did not give rest to the land. One of the laws of God was to give rest to the land every seven years. But because they disobeyed for generations, then God drove them out for 70 years to give the land rest. Because the land becomes unproductive if you keep tilling and toiling it it must be given rest. There are many things that God commanded that we do not understand, but we trust in His will because He knows better than us. Our finite minds cannot fathom His wisdom, but we know that it is great beyond measure. So even though we possess little understanding on why things happen, we pray and keep on praying. We learn to trust God. We learn to trust on the one whose thoughts are higher than ours and whose ways surpass our understanding. 
Do not waste your time asking God why. Well, it's not wrong to ask God why. But we may pray, Lord, in your right time, make me understand. Now I admit I do not understand everything. What I can do now is to trust your will. What I can do now is to trust your will. If we are among loyal friends and family. Or discover a betrayal by someone near. If we experience swift justice or if we fall victim to the unjust, if we are blessed with abundance or fall into shame and poverty, if all seems well and good or everything falls apart, if joy seems to abound beyond measure or if deep despair grips our hearts, if we find the path that gives us purpose or lost our way in the woods, who do we seek for wisdom? Who do we ask for greater grace? Who do we trust despite the suffering? The sovereign God, none other. Brothers, and sisters, let us trust the sovereign God. Let us pray for His will to happen, for His will to unfold in the midst of the catastrophe. And even if it seems not good, even if it seems like it's our time to go, but hopefully not, we will trust in the will of God. We will surrender ourselves to Him. Let us trust in the will of God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We ask for your grace to abound in us. Give us understanding. Give us wisdom. Give us peace in our hearts. We trust you. We trust in your will. And we pray, let your will be done. And we beseech you to stop the catastrophe, the calamity of this plague, this virus. We pray and believe that you have a purpose for everything. And we know your purpose is being accomplished. And sometimes we have light suffering. But even as Paul had said, to die is gain, but to live is for Christ. If it is your will for us to live, it is for you. Our lives are for you. But if it is time to go, then it is gain because we shall meet you. Give us wisdom today how to help our neighbor, how to be productive, how to take care of our own families. Unite our hearts in one in prayer, even though we are separate and we are in our own homes. Yet in heart, in spirit, we are united, hearing your word. We are united, praying. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. May the love of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 
May the love of the Father be with you. May the guidance of the Holy Spirit be with you. May grace abound every day. In Jesus' name, amen.